Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. Each week, Andy shares interviews with talent development professionals, thought leaders, and experts to share best practices, learn about the latest trends, and find out what has been successful in the world of talent development. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome back to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and today I have my bonus Q&A conversation with Dr. Frank Nguyen, who is an author, speaker, executive in the talent development world. He works for a very large retailer that all of us know and many of us use. And if you didn't listen to our last conversation about standardizing training, upskilling, reskilling workers, make sure you go back and check that out. Uh, it was a really great conversation. I thought Frank shared some great information there. Uh, today's our bonus Q&A episode. Where I'm going to ask Frank about his biggest accomplishments in his career. And it, it's really, he shares a great story to, to really illustrate this as well as his biggest failure or mistake. It's one that I think some of you can relate to and that you really feel as well as the trends that he's following, a book recommendation that is an absolute true classic and some really great career advice as well. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with uh, Dr. Frank Nguyen. All right, I'm back with Frank Nguyen, who is an author, speaker, and talent development executive. And this is our bonus round Q&A. Frank, let's start with this. You have done a lot of really interesting things throughout your career. What would you say is one of your proudest moments or biggest accomplishments in your career so far? Uh I think in order to answer it, I have to kind of go back to my roots a little bit, if you don't mind, Andy. Sure. You know, I, my my parents fled from Vietnam after the war, way back in 75. Hmm. It was a really, really interesting time. And there's there's kind of a phenomenon. If, if I was a sociologist, I would study this, but lots of sort of fracturing of nuclear families uh, out of that time. But anyway, long story short, my mom ended up working at a factory when she raised four kids on her own. And she was there for 28 years. and you know, somehow she raised, you know, let me do the math, three college grads. I also have, you know, two two graduate degrees. My brother was a sergeant in the army, served a couple of tours. But anyway, wow. she did this all in a fifth grade education. Hmm. And one thing she always lamented to me is like, like, I wish I had more educational opportunities. So that way I can, I could have, you know, maximized my potential. Kind of paraphrasing a little bit what she said. 
Mm. Anyway, from that context, you know, I, I talked to you a little bit about some of this development work more recently that we've been doing for our for hourly workers and helping them move into other longer term careers. And if I have to look back in the body work over 25 years, especially thinking about mom, that's that's probably what I'm most proud of. I don't I've met some of those folks. I, I don't know them obviously as well as my mom, but knowing that, you know, I don't know, hundreds or thousands of those folks will have different lives and trajectories and their kids will have different, you know, opportunities. I set aside the money, the titles, the awards, like that's mm-hmm. that's probably the most rewarding part of the job is knowing that yeah. you impacted the lives and careers of thousands of people potentially yeah. a lot of times. That's- when when the systems you're putting in place work, you're helping people move up through the system and, and make more money and, and have for more fulfilling careers. Yeah. And many yeah. of them could be people like your mom who want to provide yeah. a better life for their family. Exactly. I can't solve for what how it played out for her, but I can at least help solve for other folks who are in similar situations, quite honestly. Right. As we watch yeah. So fascinating. I love that. The flip side, Frank, what's been one of your biggest failures or mistakes and what did you learn from it? Oh, this is one I, I wish I could go back and redo. Hmm. I thought about this for a little while when I was looking through the questions. You know, every year when you go through the fiscal planning process, you ask for more, whether it's headcount or dollars, and invariably you get a fraction of that. So I had this one year where I don't remember the even the exact number, Andy, 10 or a dozen heads uh, to go after something. And I, I had put up two proposals. I had put up one proposal around, hey, you know, let's scale training for hourly workers and another like, hey, let's let's go and invest in developing leaders. And it's had a specific, actually really technology-driven approach to give leaders the opportunity to, to sort of engage in authentic scenarios every day and, and really develop themselves. And in particular, a focus around like emotional intelligence and EQ and those types of things. And I chose the former, and that kind of led to some of the stories that you and I were discussing. And I, I, I chose not to invest on the leader side. And a lot of it honestly came down to the math. Like I just looked at the numbers and I said, well, I'm making this up a million people versus 18,000 people. So that's kind of where I did the math. And I, I, I go back to that decision and I wish I could actually have either said, hey, this is not binary, like do a little bit of both or actually go in on the, on the leader side, especially with respect to emotional intelligence. I've been studying that aspect a little bit more. And there, there are a lot of uh, academic research that clearly indicates that people leaders who are emotionally intelligent, there are all kinds of outcomes it's, and some things you would expect around, you know, engagement and, and retention, but also performance as well. And so I, 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 that was a big mistake in my part. I wish I could have gone back to that point and mm. flip the investment or maybe flip the investment and, and gone after people leaders. I think our frontline leaders in particular have an outsized impact on the experience of our employees. Mm. I, I think I underappreciated that at the time. Yeah. And I would assume that we talked in our previous interview a lot about upscaling and rescaling. And I'm sure a lot of that is focused on technical skills, That's right. uh, but we know that especially for managers, it's going to be those uh, core, people used to call them soft skills. I like Josh Burson likes to call them power skills, right? For the future, like EQ and empathy and, and really being able to communicate and relate to others. Those are going to be so valuable in the future. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I and I'm going to say some things that may be vast generalizations, but I look at my time <clears throat> over a few technical organizations now. You know, a lot of times what we do is we take our best employees, and 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 I say employees like individual contributing employees, 
Mm-hmm. And we take our best ones and say, wow, you know, Andy did great. Let's give him a promotion and let's give him a team and help, let him manage a team. Mm-hmm. And I think different firms are better than others. Like they actually prepare their managers. But if you look at our technical firms in particular, I mean, gosh, our best individual contributors that are technical, whether it's an engineer of some kind or whatever it might be, like we hire them because they're great analytical skills, quant skills, you know, data skills, high IQ. But I, I, I'm going to say this hopefully in a delicate way, but sometimes their technical skills are here, but their social behavior mm-hmm. may be not, not in parity. Yeah. Yeah. Well. And so I, I think we actually have to make extra investment in those cases to help those individuals succeed in, in leadership roles. Yeah. But as I look back over 25 years, I didn't, I didn't particularly recognize that early enough or do that well enough. Yeah. So, you know, it's something to be reflective and hopefully it's, others can take a different path. Yeah. It's the classic challenge that's made in so many organizations, right? That we promote based on those technical skills. You're really good at sales. You're really good at engineering. You're really good at programming. Why don't you now manage other people and tell them how to do that? Well, it's a whole different skill, right? And, and so right. many companies deal yeah. with that. Yeah. Done I that think already. you really have to look at leadership, especially first-time leadership as an upskilling opportunity. Mm. And if you look at it then from that frame set, like you wouldn't take a you know, kind of user term, someone that may be in marketing and make them a, a BIE without upskilling them. Mm-hmm. Like, why do we take our best individual contributor, whether they're in sales or, or, or engineering and not upskill yep. them to be a people leader? Yeah. So um, anyway, that's, that's, that's what I'm trying to fix now, but yeah. I wish we could have done that before. It's going to be a, it's going to be a whole nother podcast interview conversation. I listened to a great interview uh, or podcast about this recently. And there was a study that showed that if you took your best salesperson, when companies take their best salesperson and make them a manager, that output actually goes down. They actually end up selling less, right? Which some people would be like, oh, I'm actually not surprised, right? You've taken them out of their position and now they're doing something that they weren't necessarily that good at. It's a whole different skill set. Yeah. So we we talked about a challenge right there as a classic challenge. Frank, what's a trend that you are following in talent development today that you're you're interested in? Yeah. You know, I, I was reflecting on this one, Andy. I, I, I'm trying to peek around corners. I'm going to give you kind of two answers. Uh, okay. One's not a great answer, but the other is, is something that we talked about a little bit too earlier. If I could rewind back to, hmm, I don't know, 2007, 2008, it was a great recession. I happened to be at a bank at the time, probably like the worst place you could possibly be during an economic downturn. I, I, by the way, I interviewed with multiple banks in 2007 when I was in business school. It didn't work out. Oh boy. Well, I'd be curious if, if, if you saw some of these patterns, but you know, here I was at this bank during, during a recession and it happened to be a recession where there was a huge amount of regulatory reform. You know, we, we got there because of questionable or questioned practices around that. And so Looking back, out of sheer luck, I was in the right place, right time. We were doing regulatory training. And so it was the perfect opportunity for us to actually transform regulatory training. I wouldn't be able to do it under any other circumstance unless government regulators were at the front door asking about it. And I'd argue from a learning technology perspective, that's actually what gave birth to what we use now for learning personalization. So a lot of these LMS systems that have the ability to look at you know, personnel data to take in other data about risk job responsibilities and deliver, you know, here's Andy's learning plan and here's Frank's learning plan. That was all born out of that time. 
I, I'm I'm looking at where we are now. Like we're not coming out of the great recession, but we're coming out of the great resignation. Mm-hmm. What's gonna What's gonna happen coming out of that? I, I don't have a great answer. That's actually something I'm trying to figure out. If, if you or others do, I I would love your wisdom. But th- there is about to be a sea change of some kind. If there's uh, less job openings and more available workers, um, I think it flips the dynamic for organizations a bit. I've enjoyed the current dynamic, which is more investment and skilling, but I think something something is about to change for us. And I'm not 100% sure what that is. The other trend that I've actually been focused on and, and really interested, I've always tried to look for intersects between learning or talent development with other fields. And uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but behavioral economics, I find a really fascinating domain and trying to learn the intersections between how we as humans behave and our psychology in terms of what we do and behave, I think is very interesting. And in particular, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, you know, I, I think from a learning perspective, we're really good at building competence in skills. I think behavioral economics will actually help us figure out how to build confidence in skills. And so I haven't fully unlocked it, but that's that's something I'm trying to figure out and pay attention to, Andy, which is you know, how, how do we marry these two domains together to build skills, but then actually build confidence and skills at the same time? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And who knows what's going to happen out of all this? I know it's going to be an interesting study, you know, looking back at the Great Resignation and this very interesting time we're in where ostensibly we're in a recession and some businesses are struggling and yet there's a talent shortage, right? Unemployment right. is all time low. It's, yeah. it's such an interesting dynamic and it will be interesting to see. Where, and, and then you have so many companies diverging in their sort of return, quote, return to office policies, right? The right. Full, full office versus hybrid versus full remote, and then employees voting with their feet and where they want to be on that. It's just going to be fascinating, you know, looking back how, how all this plays out. I'm sure you, know, you and I will talk in 18 or 24 months and say, oh, that's obvious now that it's. Oh, happened. yeah, yeah. We saw this <laughs> <laughs> that coming? That's right. The boom, the boom of twenty three. We saw that coming. Yeah. Frank, is there a, a book or a TED talk that you have gotten a lot of value from, or you often recommend? I was struggling with this question. I literally have it blank, and and the answer I'm going to give you may not be one you want to keep in the bonus round. But of all the books in my life that I've read, yeah, I was I was an undergraduate student, completely undecided what I wanted to do. I, so I took all my general ed classes in that first semester. And, and one of the first classes I took was Introduction to Philosophy. And I read Plato's Republic. Hmm. And it's such a random book to cite here in this conversation. But as I thought about your question more, Andy, I realized that like that book I read, it was, it was the first time like I'd really been introduced into logic and you know reasoning. So that's kind of one. That's why it's really formative for me. I can I can think through logical possibilities on all kinds of different things. I could give you an argument why the sky is orange. Mm. It, it, I know it's not true, but it'd be a yeah. logical argument. But the more important part of it is is introduction to you know abstract thinking about things that may or may not yet exist. And I, and I think about you know twenty five years worth of work at different companies building things that did not exist before. I, I, I have I go back and I wonder how much of that for me was formed out of that that body of work, if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, that's I like of all the books in the world, that's the one. 
I, I like it. And like something cool and more contemporary. But. That might be the oldest work that has been mentioned on this, uh, on this <laughs> podcast as a, as a recommendation. I just looked it up 375 BC was when Plato wrote that. I'm a big fan of you know, Stoic philosophy. I read every day. And, you know, you look back at some of the, the ancient wisdom that can still guide us today and is just as yeah. true, right? And we can still learn a lot. And we've had people recommend other great books like The Alchemist and, and things that are more oh, philosophical. Hey, so, yeah, absolutely. I, I read that You're, one too. You're well, right, the other part of the right story in. that I didn't share earlier was, you know, I, I took that gen ed philosophy class and four years later, I graduated with a philosophy degree, which hmm. depending on how you look at it is either the most, the most useless degree or the most useful. And I, I use it every day. You know, I think it's, hmm. um, it, it's yeah. it, reasoning, logic, but ethics, morality, like those are all really important things to guide you I think, in life. That's probably a debatable one. If we're guiding our children on the degree to get to make the most money philosophy might not be the highest on the list but look what you've done quite a quite a bit with it right and, yeah and yeah it's, like i said it's either incredibly useless or incredibly useful it doesn't you know you can't be a professional philosopher these days um, right yeah it's a little tough some people yeah. think they are yeah. last question for you frank for people out there in the talent development world who are looking to find more ways to achieve success in their careers in talent development What's one more piece of advice you would give? So this one I was a lot more definitive on. Andy. Okay. Three things. All right. Uh, one, learn the business better than business leaders know it. Mm. I mean, I've, I've done some crazy things in my life, Andy. I've, I've done deliveries. I've done appliance repairs. Uh, a, a lot of times I, I can go have conversations with business leaders about things I don't even know that's a trend yet in their business. Mm. There's two things. One, you know, in those conversations, it gives you more legitimacy. It's not, hey, there is this talent person, this HR person, whoever it is, talking to me. Like they don't know what's going on. So one, one is about, you know, establishing credibility. But the more important reason to do it is to understand where the business is, where it's going, and and how you can get ahead of that. That's that's the primary reason why I, I I'm yeah. a student of the business. Uh, the second uh, thing to keep in mind. Um, is always work backwards from business problems, not learning problems or talent development or talent problems, but business problems. So I mean, we talked a little earlier about, you know, you need to know, you know, where are the critical roles that the organization needs today, but also in the future or, or the skills, right? And, and connect those to the actual business problems. And then the last thing is something more personal. I don't know if everybody needs to do this necessarily, but something that I do, I always try to challenge myself to solve every business problem I encounter in a different way. I've, I've been in enough places and done enough things that I I have plays that I can run, but I constantly, Andy, try to avoid using the same play again. Mm. I like to try to find a different way to solve. Uh, I'd say one or two times out of 10, I do go back to saying, oh, well, I'll just, this, this actually makes the most sense to solve the problem. But I, I enjoy the intellectual challenge of trying to find a different way to solve something. I think that's what keeps you fresh, keeps you engaged, keeps you passionate about the work and, you know, helps you innovate in new ways that haven't, has not necessarily been done before. Yeah. Well, you, your passion is obvious and it's cool that I like that idea of taking a different approach and I'm sure many people can kind of relate with that and, and maybe even take that and run with it. So thanks for your advice. Thanks again for coming back on and for this great bonus session, shared a lot more value with people and in general, just really enjoyed the conversation and looking forward to talking with you more in the future. Yeah. Great to, have, great to be here, Andy. Appreciate the invite. All right. Take care.
That will do it for my bonus Q&A round with Dr. Frank Nguyen. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And I want to remind you that our podcast is sponsored by the Talent Development Think Tank Conference and Community. Frank mentioned he's going to be coming out to the conference, and I hope to get him involved in the community soon as well. Our community is all about empowering people in the talent development world to really learn, grow, connect with each other. And we're doing that on a regular basis. We have calls every week. We have guest speakers We have lots of learning, lots of networking, lots of really great people in the talent development world, really the best, I believe, out there in talent development. If you're not a part of the community and you want to come, check us out. Our website is tdtt.us, as in Talent Development Think Tank, tdtt.us. We also have a conference coming up soon, and the information will be on that website as well. It'll be February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. All the info will be on tdtt.us. Our podcast is also sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is a professional services firm dedicated to providing a continuous stream of creative learning and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. Advantage is all about helping organizations develop great people. You can find out more information on their website, advantageperformance.com. All right. Thank you again for listening. I've got more great content coming to you soon, more great guests coming to you soon, all about learning different things in the field of talent development. So I will talk to you later. In the meantime, make sure you take care of yourself. And if you can, take care of some other people too. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again. Take care.